Oh my goodness, God, we're so grateful for all your precious gifts. God, to, to know in spite of everything we've experienced and in spite of all of our circumstances that we are loved more than we could ever imagine. Oh God, that changes everything. Lord, would you be glorified here? We want to return to you, God, a portion of that love which you have blessed us with. God, we honor you. We worship you. We dedicate this time to you. Be glorified, would you, God? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you sit down, would you take just a moment, turn around to those around you, welcome them here in Jesus' name. again, good morning to you. <laughs> welcome, welcome, ooh, louder than I thought. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. We're so blessed and honored to have you with us this morning. Uh, what a privilege on such a cold morning to be together. And not only to have, Lord willing, our bodies, our bodies warmed up, but, um, but also our hearts, right? God is here, and you're precious to him, and, and he wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with us while we're here this morning. So, so welcome. Uh, those of you worshiping with us online, I hope pray that you're safe and warm at home. We miss you. We pray God's richest blessing on you at home as well. But can I ask all of you, those of you here in our midst, but also those of you at home or in a special place watching online, would you uh, text your name to area code 812-457-9509? Uh, it's so helpful to us to know who's here and how we might meet your needs. Rita, would you go out that back door and, uh, and grab uh, Joe just for a second? Ask her to come back in just for a second. Uh, mercy. So uh, if there's some way we can be praying for you, if there's some way we can bless you, uh, we'd just love to know that. Uh, please just add that to that text. Uh, Joe, I'm going to ask that you bring those children back about 10 before the hour, if you would. We want them to be with us at the close of the service. Thank you so much. Any other children who would like to join others for a special time of worship uh, with their friends, uh, you're welcome to meet Joe in the back of the sanctuary right now, and uh, we will look forward to seeing them later in the service. Well, hey, just a couple of quick announcements, and we're going to dive right in today. we got a really busy day today, um, but uh, we just wanted to remind you, congregation, uh, today we have a called congregational meeting immediately following the service. Now, uh, it, it is open-ended in the sense that any uh, we'll stay there until all your questions are answered, but uh, it's called for two very uh, specific purposes. One is to approve the transition from our pastor search committee from, a, from an associate pastor position to a, a senior pastor position. 
uh, for the last year or so as we've been searching for that uh, associate pastor that could transition to our lead pastor um, we're recognizing that, that we're cutting off a, a significant portion of people who might be interested in that final position. And so uh, our pastor search committee is recommending to the congregation, they report directly to you, not to our session, uh, that we transition that. We will be there to hear a special rationale for that and then uh, to take a vote on that in the gym following the service. So just a couple quick thoughts. There's, um, right now there are three small groups meeting. In a few weeks there will be five small group meeting uh, following our worship service, a place where you can plug in and go deeper. Small groups you will be meeting today uh, that, uh, after the service. Um, it'll just be about 1020 by the time that you get started. Uh, we are going to be down in the gym. Uh, visitors and guests who are with us, what a privilege to have you with us today. We'll meet you uh, out that door and down. There's a lower foyer where the coffee and the refreshments are. We will look forward to getting to know you a little better uh, uh, in uh, immediately following the service. I just tripped over my shoelace. That's why I stumbled. Literally, I'm going, how did I do that? I know, I know. Well, uh, wow. So what a great privilege. Oh, by the way, there's another purpose in the, um, in the uh, congregational meeting. Uh, congregation, uh, we need to elect a, um, a uh, at-large member to our nominating committee. And so we have a candidate for you, but as a part of our normal process, you have an opportunity to vote on that. So two purposes, to, um, to get your approval, congregation, for transition from associate pastor search to senior pastor search. Is that fair? And then also to elect an at-large member to our, um, to our uh, nominating committee. Uh, so uh, thank you. Thank you for being faithful for that. We should have you to your small groups or to your cars by 1020 following the service. And I am over-caffeinated. I apologize. <laughs> My little gyroscopes is going, nee, 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 nee. So I will try and, well, I think it's your fault. That was, that was a rowdy song. I know. That was, that was crazy. Well, uh, we, we have been uh, talking together about how do we worship God, how do we honor God with all that we are and all that we have and all that we say and all that we do. And, and over the last few weeks, especially, we've been focusing on, um, on generosity, uh, that, that God has given us this great gift to be able to, um, to be generous. There's, just something, there's something really cool that happens when uh, we give of ourselves. Now, clearly understand, um, we're not just talking about finances. Finances is kind of like shorthand for all that we are and all that we have. Um, but we're talking also about your time. We're talking also about uh, your, your giftedness, your talents, your abilities. There's just something beautiful that happens when you pass it on. In fact, we're going we're gonna to practice that. During our service, this sounds weird, but I hope to bring this together later. Uh, um, I'm handing out money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to you. And, 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 and um, would you watch her, Linda, after this? And, and I'm just going to invite you dang, to pass it on. And we're just going to do that. Take a minute. Take a minute. There's some fun stuff. If you just look at it, there's some fun stuff in there. It's kind of ironic. <laughs> she whips out a little yellow highlighter to see if, it, uh, see if it's real or not. 
Would you just do that later on? We'll, we'll, we'll uh, pull that back in. <clears throat> I, I had shared with you a couple weeks ago that, that uh, all my ministry career, now 40 plus years, um, I have always shied away from talking about money, right? Because it's so cliche. All they ever do is talk about money, right? But wow, uh, in, in all these years of following Jesus, I've, I've discovered that for, for Jesus it wasn't awkward. He recognized the danger of it, right? We've been talking about that together, that, that where your treasure lies, he saw those places where, where, where treasure, where things, where stuff, where money literally lies to us and we we spent some time right the culmination of it is is when money says to us i can save you i can save you right if i just had more money everything would be okay right and and it's a lie it is a lie man Uh, there's um so so we we spent a week just kind of focusing on some of the lies that mammon or stuff or money says to us but then we flipped it last week we began saying there is a solution to this and the solution is generosity and and generosity can speak to money right pardon the you know the analogy here but we saw the first week or the second week that generosity speaks to money and says you don't own me and we committed ourselves to to breaking the bondage of debt over us, right? And and we we talked about the myriad resources that are available to help us uh, both break the bondage of debt, and then and then, boy, it's a constant battle. It, it keeps sneaking back into our lives. I'm smiling because um, a chaplain, I, um, an organization that sells debt, which is just about every organization out there, right? They've learned that that much more than real retail, they make more money off of debt, off of getting you to get a credit card through them, than they do even in retail. And so I I, I knew it. I I tried to bless them. I kept a I kept a, a strong uh, um, defense. And and someone who should remain name, nameless uh, in my family, um, the very guy that tried to get me got her. And, and she goes home and says, oh, you wouldn't believe it, like this really nice guy, right? And I'm going, oh, honey, honey, you know. And um, wow, wow. Somewhat along the line, we have to say, I'm not going to be owned by things, by mammon, by money. Well, today I want to turn it one more time. Today I want to speak back to mammon. I want to speak to money, and, and I want to say something revolutionary, well, not really revolutionary to you, but, but it is to money, and it is money, I don't own you either. I don't own, you don't own me, but I don't own you, right? Wow. Last week when we were together, we, we discussed opening the books and taking a sobering look at where all our money goes, right? How did you have a chance to do that? Some of you are really good at this. You do this on a regular basis. Um, it's a little surprising, right? I just really challenge you. Got to be knowing where your money is going, right? Um, that's an important life skill. You got to be knowing where your money is going. But even if you are already in the habit of of tracking your expenses, um, it's it's very possible that that like like my family, you're constantly having to reevaluate what your perspective 
on money is. So I want to ask you just a couple questions as we're starting today, and we're going to continue in worship. Uh, uh, talking about money is not contrary to worship. Remember we said that, I think it rattled some cages in some Sunday school classes. We said that Jesus talked more about mammon and money and things than anything else, substantially more. So just a couple quick questions to get us started. If you are a person who likes to follow notes, they're in your, they're in your um, bulletin this morning. Um, the first one, what are you trying to accomplish? If money is a tool, right? Uh, if I have a hammer, there's something I want to accomplish with that hammer, right? Uh, what are you trying to accomplish with your money, right? As with most everything in life, our financial practices are driven by our goals, right? So if our goal is to make a lot of money, then we're going to live in a way that hopefully makes us a lot of money. I think I've shared with you before, the reason I went into engineering in college is because at that time it was one of the higher paid jobs uh, that was available. I was good at math and science, and I just, I just said, well, I want to make a lot of money. I literally thought that, right? So if you're, you're, your desire is to make a lot of money, you're going to look for a lucrative job. And that's part of the reason for the great shuffle that's going on in our culture right now is everybody's shifting, trying to find jobs where they can make more money. But if our goal is to live comfortably in retirement, then, then we'll set aside money, right? And one of the myriad ways that we can do that, we will set aside money for the future. Uh, now, will it be there when you get there? We don't know. Uh, but, but if that's our goal, if our goal is to um, make a lot of money then, and, and to set it aside for retirement, then, then we're going to make plans accordingly. So let me just ask as we begin our worship today, you know, what are your financial goals, right? Um, it might not be as crass as, as just trying to make more money, right? But, but what are your goals, is it, is it your goal to provide for your family? That's a, that's a worthy goal. Right? I, would, I would move that from goal to responsibility, right? Is it your goal to make as much money as you can? There are people that are just gifted. I've been blessed to know several. They, they just cannot help but make money, right? Is that, is that their goal, to make as much money as you can? Um, that's okay. That's okay. Let's be wise in this, right? Let's be wise with our resources. Is it your goal to save as much money as you can, right? Worthy. A worthy goal. Um, we just have crawled out of that place where the interest rates rose above 0.1% or something, right? Um, and, and you actually have the possibility of saving money now and not losing ground. But what if your goal is to give as much money as you can? It was weird when I handed uh, the money out, right? It was weird to be giving that out and letting go, right? Something deep within me says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'll tell you the reason I could do it in just a moment. Um, Is it your goal to give as much as you can? That's a worthy goal. Hey, um, I know that at one point in my life that, that a major goal was to be financially free, to, be, to not be in debt, to not 
to not be beholden. Remember two weeks ago? To not be beholden to anyone. These are all honorable goals, right? Why wouldn't we want to provide for our families? Why wouldn't we want to make money or save money or, or give money? It all makes incredible sense, right? Here's the problem, right? None of those goals provide that, oh, what's an analogy? Compass, right? None of those goals tell you what true north is, right? None of those goals help you make financial decisions, right? These, these goals can shape us, but there's something larger. There's got to be, right? There's got to be something deeper, something bigger, something more comprehensive that can influence every financial decision that you make. So I guess the question I want to ask is, what is, it sounds like a movie, but what is the one thing, right, that should drive our personal finances. Well, the Bible makes, I was about to say the Bible makes a suggestion, but I think it's stronger than that, right? But what that one objective, what that one goal should be. Today, our, one of our theme verses is uh, from First Chronicles. And in First Chronicles, David, after longing to build a house for the Lord, he, he was in a palace himself, and they were worshiping in a tent, and it was driving him crazy. And, and, and he asked God, let me, let me build you a, a, a house of worship, right? Let me build you a temple. And, and, and David had made some choices in his life that precluded him from being able to do that. And God uh, told David that you will not do that for me, but your son will, Solomon, and so, like a typical helicopter parent, David gathered all the resources. He did all the work, brought all the stuff from Lebanon, all over the place, all the, all the things to make that, that, that temple project fly under Solomon's leadership. And then, and then when the time came for David to transition from his kingship to to transition to his son, to, to entrust to his son, not only building a temple, but leading God's people, uh, David prayed. David prayed. And I want you to hear, it's, it's a massive prayer that encompasses all of first, most of First Chronicles 29, but let me just read a short portion of it. Hear the word of God, would you, from, from First Chronicles 29. Therefore, David blessed the Lord... In the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and all that is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and we praise your glorious name. Join with me, would you?
oh my goodness, you're catching just a, a sense of what was coursing through David's veins as, as, as he came to that critical moment in his life. No longer was he vying for, for military prowess. No longer was he vying for power. He had had it. And he was a good steward of it. David was making a, a, amazing, amazing progress in his understanding of who God is. But what was the one thing, right? It wasn't money or power. It wasn't any of those things, right? As his son would come to learn the hard way, none of those things could satisfy. What was it that drove David, at least in First Chronicles 29? Well, quite simply, quite simply, David's goal in life was to honor God. To honor God. Do you see how that's such a larger purpose? Do you see how, how, how that transcends even financial goals or, or professional goals or familial goals? See how there's something larger out there? What was his objective as king? See how simple it is to honor God. To honor God. What was his objective as father? To honor God. What was his objective for his finances, right? To honor God. Oh, by the way, by the way, the question that he never asked himself, it seems like the, the thing that tripped David up, that, that never uh, broke his relationship with God, but caused David to lose some of the blessing that God intended for him, was the question he never asked himself you know, um, what about my marriage, right? What is my objective for my marriage? He didn't get that right, and he passed it down to his son. And, and, and though he was a man after God's own heart, a lot of pain and suffering happened because he didn't make it his objective in his marriage to honor God. I don't know that for certain if that was the reason, but I suspect that. I know it broke his heart as he looked back on his life and saw how, how his issues with women uh, were outside of the boundaries of the Lord's will and caused great suffering. But, but I love it that right here, right, there's a major transition. Now he's releasing his leadership. He's releasing his power. He's releasing all those things that he would have been tr- tempted to trust God to trust apart from God. He's releasing those things. Well, I pray that that could be my objective. I pray that that could be our objective as well. To live, to live with open hands, right, before God. Believing that, that we should honor Him in everything we have, everything we say, everything we do, right? Because everything comes from Him. In the first place, right? You're choosing to believe that all your talents, all your gifts, all your skills, all your resources ultimately come from God. You're choosing to allow your personal finances to be driven with one thing in mind, honoring God. So, so the last question that I want to wrestle with with you today, and I appreciate so much you're, you're getting down in the weeds with me here, um, how do we honor God then with our finances if 
if you will borrow for a second this truth that our objective, our, our, north, our true north is to honor God, how do we honor God with our finances? Well, it can start very simply. And, and I love this about God, that, that uh, a life dedicated to God is uh, amazingly complex. It, uh, it, it affects every area, our thoughts, our heart, our will, our mind. But it can also be really simple, too, right? It could be as simple as this, God, show me how to honor you with everything I have. Show me how to honor you with everything I have. Wow. Well, um, for many of us, that will be enough. For many of us, I'm looking at some of our people in Discovering Christian Community, we've discovered that different people learn things differently. Some of us need a little more guidance than that, right? Some of us need uh, a little more help from God's Word. And so so let me just suggest to you... uh, I'm going to draw on a couple more passages with you. Let me suggest to you that God's word speaks about how we can honor God with our finances. Let me begin. This is going to be harsh. Let me just warn you, right? Uh, This is going to sound really harsh. It's God speaking to his people in the very last book, the second to last chapter of the Old Testament. After this, God went silent for 400 years. Not one word was heard from him for 400 years. This is what he said to his people right before he went silent. I, the Lord, don't change. So you, therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in Malachi chapter 3. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. So return to me, he says, and I will return to you. For some of you, that might be the only thing you need to hear today, right? Return to me, God says, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall I return? And I'm thinking all kinds of really spiritual answers right here, right? I'm thinking all kinds of, um, yeah, Read your Bible every day. Pray on a regular basis. All good things that we've been studying together in Matthew 6. This is what he says. Speaking to his people right before he goes silent. um, They ask him, how can we return to you? And, And God says, will a man rob God? Whew. Not what I was expecting. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes. And contributions, God says. You're cursed with a curse for you're, you are robbing me. Now, unless you take this too personally, he says the whole nation of you, right? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, he says, that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. This is the second time in just a couple months that we've seen God say this. Put me to the test, right? Remember at Christmas time when we saw him do that? With Isaiah, put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. 
Wow. So, so how do we honor God with our finances? We're, we're generous to God. We're generous to God. Start with the tithe, right? Start with the tithe. You see, generosity is about honesty, right? And, and, and how you view your money, many of us are not honest with God. It's, it's ironic because God, by his very definition, knows everything about us. He knows our vulnerability financially, right? So he says, change the way that you view money. It is not yours. It is not yours. It's God's. Wow. Okay, this is, this is a big step. And I understand if you're not there. Don't be ashamed at all. I, I'm, I'm challenging you to believe what God's Word says. And, and it's radical. It is radical. It's not yours. It's God's. But let me add another piece before we dissect this together, right? Uh, God's resources are unlimited. They are unlimited. So what is our part in this, right? If God has unlimited resources that he wants to bless the world with. What is our part of that? I just tripped over that shoelace again. It is, it is, our part is to be a channel of that blessing, right? To be a channel of that blessing. Did that, um, I hesitate to ask this, where's that $100 bill? <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> I was about to say, my wife is going to be very happy. <laughs> I didn't ask her um, if I could do that. Um, that's, not, that's not true at all, because that's not uh, my wife's money. That's not my money. It's God's money, right? But how did, it, how did that feel when you were passing it around? Did it? Did it right? Did, did you feel anything like, mm. <laughs> Did you? You're better people than I am. You are better, right? Why did you pass it on? Toss it out there real quick. Yeah. Yeah. First, you asked me to do that, right? But but even then, that was a $100 bill, right? It's not mine. It's not mine, right? Um, why, Why would I hold it? It's not mine. Do you see this coming? Do you feel this coming? Right? Everything you have is not yours. It's God's. Um, if you have a chance, um, press pause. Um, I invited uh, about 30 of you um, to study ahead of time before our service, and I invited you to do a soaps study. It's a personal Bible study on that First Chronicles passage. Oh, my goodness, it's so rich. It is so rich. I invited you to do a soap study on the Malachi passage Oh, my gosh, your ears will get pinned back, right? I invited you to do a soap study on our, our, um, our New Testament passages. Well, you will be blessed. I have preached on this passage for, for probably seven or eight times in the time that I've been with you, and uh, I always get blessed. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say soap study, um, come up afterwards, just grab one of these and take it with you. It has a couple bookmarks in it. That will bless you in three ways. There's a guide in there for how to do a soap study. Um, scripture, observation, application, prayer, uh, sharing, right? There is a, a, a guide to how to do a small group Bible study in your home. 
a Discovery Bible Study. There is um, a guide to a time of prayer as well. If, if you uh, have not ever explored those things, come just grab one of these. Just grab one. They're yours. Uh, come, come grab it. If we run out, I've got tons more up in my office. I'll get, I'll get more for you. But, um, but you've got to have to, apart from just our brief time together every week, you're going to have to go into God's Word at a deeper level. But let me just anchor us again. Everything we have is God's. In First Chronicles 29, 11 to 14, uh, did you hear it as it went by? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. He's honoring God, right? And the majesty. But, but look at this line. I think it's in italics on the wall. Uh, For all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Both riches and honor come from you, right? But who am I and who are we? David says that we should be able to thus offer willingly, the NIV says, to give so generously, right? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. I'm just giving back to you, God, what is already yours. So quick trick question, right? Uh, What percentage of what you have is yours and what percentage, some of you Bible scholars, Old Testament scholars, what percentage is God's? What percentage is yours? Oh, gosh, you guys. And I do all this setup and everything, and you just blow me out of the water. Um, you're right. A hundred percent of what you own is not yours. It's God. Wait a second. You were teasing us about some Old Testament passage, right? That Malachi passage. What what? Isn't, isn't 90% of it mine and 10% of it God's? No, it's all God's, but he entrusts 90% of it to you and, and, and says, be fruitful and multiply. But he asks you, he asks you, show me that you know this by returning to me. And some other time we'll go deeper into it. The first of that 100%, show me that First 10%, right? Honor me with that first. That's what a tithe. Tithe literally means 10%. I know that a lot of people mean tithe just means giving, right? No, it means 10%, right? And it's not the goal. It's the starting point. It is the starting point. Uh, in a couple of weeks, Jordan's going to be preaching, and he's going to challenge us to go deeper, to, to drink deeper of God's um, a word of his blessing by, by risking more, but it's the starting point, right? God entrusts 90% of the resources he gives to you for you to steward, to steward, right? What is a steward? A steward is someone who faithfully invests someone else's assets with an eye to increase them, to increase them, right? So, so, we recognize from Malachi, everything we have is God's. We recognize that, that um, we're robbing God if we're not honoring him with our, our first fruits and our tithes, right? Uh, we, we recognize that, that there's something different. There are some law enforcement people here, and, and correct me afterwards. Don't shout it out when I misspeak here just a second. But it's been a long time since I was a deputy sheriff. It was... A long time ago. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more time than many of you have been gracing the face of the earth. And, um, but I, my recollection is that burglary is 
taking someone's resources when they're not there, but robbery is taking them from them in their presence. Armed robbery, of course, would be taking it by force with a weapon, right? And so God didn't say, you have burgled me, <laughs> right? He said, you robbed me. I'm, I'm right there in your presence. And, and you're keeping for yourself what is mine. I know right now a lot of people are just getting angry in there. And, and I understand that. I understand. It took me years to risk believing that this part of God's word is true. And I've shared with you before the, the moment. I don't know if God knew that one day I'd be standing here talking about this. The moment that I began to do that, he blessed Karen and I more richly than we could ever imagine. The tithe is literally 10%. It's a starting point of faithful stewardship. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? That was the temple was the storehouse, right? Bring the full tithe into the place where you worship and where your spiritual needs are met, right? He'll, he'll talk another time. We'll talk about it together about sacrificially giving above and beyond. But, but in the last word before he went silent for 400 years, for his own people, he said, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And let me just say, uh, I remember hearing this as a child and I spent a lot of my adulthood coming to understand it. It's much easier to live on 90% inside the will of God than 100% outside the will of God. Does that make sense? It's much easier to live on 90% inside the will of God than 100% outside. So, so again, he says in Malachi, test me, put me to the test. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until, look at this, isn't this beautiful? Until there is no more need. He's not just talking about your need. You are that vessel for the resources that God wants to use to bless people who are in in great need, right? Test God. See if his word is true. Test him. Try him. I know all of us recoil from that. I don't want to put God to the test, right? We're remembering that verse in Deuteronomy. God says here, test me in this, right? How can you test God and see if his word is true? Grow your generosity. Grow your generosity. Will you make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Absolutely. But God would much rather you make a mistake along the way in your generosity than that you that you. Withhold from the people God wants to bless God's resources. So, so let's go deeper if we can. What does it mean then to steward the resources of God? I'm going to take it one step further and say, uh, not only stop robbing God, but but steward everything that you are and say and do and have as one who will someday give account. One day. Uh, We will stand before the Lord and he will ask us to give an account of what we did with the resources. The famous story for this uh, is in Matthew 25. It's one of uh, three powerful uh, uh, parables that happened right at the end of Jesus' ministry. And in Matthew 25, 
uh, Jesus helps us understand what it means to steward. Now, I'm going to summarize it here, and, and I, I want to challenge you to go deeper. Uh, if you'd like to go deeper today at 1020 today in three di- or two different classrooms upstairs, they will be exploring this passage, Matthew 25, in, in deeper depth. But let me just hit the highlights with you for a second. It starts like this. For the kingdom of God, drawing that from verse 1, will be like a man who went on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. This, this parable appears at least twice in Scripture in two different times when Jesus spoke it. And, and in Matthew, what he did, this man was going to go on a long journey, so he, he called his servants and he gave one of the servants uh, five talents. Now, I, I struggle when we use that word because it is totally appropriate to think about it in terms of abilities and talents. But in Hebrew, talent is, a, is an amount of money. Do you know how much a talent is? It is, in our dollars, $720,000. 700. He didn't want any mistake about this. But he gave, and I looked at Kathy a minute ago, he gave Kathy uh, five talents, right? Five, oh my goodness, that is a lot of resources. What is it? I'm, I'm just doing this in my head. 3.6. Woo, my goodness, right? Uh, he gave another one two, right? And I'm stumbling for a second because right about then, if you have, if you have four-year-olds, you know what the four-year-olds are going to say, right? That's not fair. You gave her three point six billion or million dollars, right? And 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 you only gave me one point four. That's not. Are we losing our minds here, right? How many of you, if you had the opportunity, would take one point four million? I would do that. I would do that, right? And he gave another one, one talent, right? And he said, uh, "I'm entrusting this to you while I'm gone, and when I come back, I want you to return it to me, right?" Well, um, immediately, the five and the two um, began, and, and, and in the ESV it says to, tr- to trade, to trade with it, right? They began to, to um, use those resources to multiply the investment that had been given to them. And, uh, and when the master returned, the first one came and said, Master, um, I took the five talents, the $720,000 that you gave me, and I've made five more. Wow. Wow. That is out of my league, right? This, the other one came and said, uh, I, I took the two talents and I made two more. And he didn't say, why didn't you make five more? Right? For both of them, oh my goodness, for both of them he said, well done. Good and faithful servant. Listen carefully. You have been faithful with a little, right? I will give you responsibility for much. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't know about you, but I can't think of words I would rather hear after I pass from this life to the next than those. And keep in mind, we're talking finances here today, but keep in mind, it's also about ability. It's about everything you are and how I, I, oh my goodness, the, well, the credits are rolling, the music's playing, right? 
I, I, but there was another guy. Remember the one that had one? I didn't choose anybody here because I don't want to. I don't want to look anybody in the eyes, right? But one person said, "Oh, master, I knew that you are a hard man. <laughs> you are mean, right? And and I did not want you coming back and asking me for this and 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 having lost those resources. So I buried it. Here it is. <laughs> Brush the dust off of it, right? Here it is." Right? Like a puppy. Right? And, and, and the master says, oh, you wicked. You wicked. Right? You knew I was mean. You knew I was nasty. Right? Why didn't you at least put it in fifth third? Right? And, and it, it would have gotten one and a half percent or something. Right? Whatever's going now. Why, why didn't you at least put it with the bankers? Isn't it interesting that all the same issues are right there? Um, wow. Depart from me. Right? Depart from me. You knew that you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received what was my own with interest, right? Wow, wow. Let me catch up with your notes so you can fill in the blanks for a second. First of all, it's not the amount that you receive. It's what you do with what you've been given, right? So let's just wipe all that stuff away. It's not about comparing yourself to others, right? The expectation. Now, you push back on me, right? Privately, not right after the service. I'm always really vulnerable right after that. But when you, when you get a chance, if you don't see this, push back. Because I, I could be wrong. I, wanna, I want you to, to go to the Word, not to me. But it's the expectation of the Master that His resources will multiply under your stewardship, right? And though the master might be delayed, and, and we'll tell the story another time, but he was very much delayed. It was not clear at all that he would come back. For 400 years, they weren't, it wasn't clear at all that he would come back. For 2,000 years, it's not clear at all that, that he would come back, right? We believe that by faith. Amen? Jesus is coming again, and he's going to hold us account, right, to, to account. Um, don't get lost in the fact that he's delayed in coming, right? There is a a reward for faithful stewardship, and there is punishment for unfaithfulness. Wow. Nice Dave, Pastor Dave, who doesn't like to upset the apple card, who doesn't wants everybody to like him, right? Who wants to be the guy with good news all the time, has to bring some bad news to you, right? There is punishment for unfaithfulness. There is, first of all, and probably the worst, the rebuke of the master. I do not want... God saying to me, you wicked and slothful babe. I don't want to hear him say that, right? That rebuke in itself is, is overwhelming, right? But there's also removal of the master's resources. So take the talent from him and give it to one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. He will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, Right? If everything we have is God's and he takes that away, what do we have left? What do we have left? Maybe the worst part, he was left with unimaginable regret. Worship team, would you come up? Unimaginable regret. Cast that worthless servant to the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I, I don't know why it just overcame me this time, but I just was so overwhelmed with that, right? Gnashing, oh, I wish, I wish I had lived differently. Unimaginable 
regret. Oh, my goodness, I reversed these because I did not want to end on that note. And um, I said earlier there was a reward. There was a reward for those who are faithful, right? Instead of the rebuke of the master, there was the praise of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Well done. Well done. Praise from your, from your master. I'll share with you one of the hard aspects of, of um, my father passing away was it's deeply wired within me to want his approval. I, it's deeply wired within me, right? There's seasons of my life where I just blew that off. I, I just I, I don't need no stinking approval, right? And and now he's gone. Now he's gone. Those of you who know my story know that he he flipped. He flipped the script along the way, and and he communicated that he loved me. He communicated how proud he he flipped the script. But for a long time, I didn't have that. And. My suspicion is some of you, men and women, are experiencing that right now, right? The praise of your master, the praise of your heavenly father now can overcome even your earthly human experience. But look what he did also. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. He gave him greater responsibility. Do not believe that childhood image of eternity as a fat little guy with a a guitar sitting on a cloud, right, making music. No, there is responsibility in eternity. And, and, and how you handle responsibility now, what you do with, as Jesus would say, the little things, right, will dramatically affect the responsibility that you have in heaven. So you'll have not only the praise of your master, but greater responsibility, right, greater responsibility as well. And... and if the one who buried God's gifts to him um, experiences unimaginable regret, uh, the person who risks believing God's word is true will experience unimaginable joy. Unimaginable joy. Oh my goodness. First of all, the fact that I could bring joy to God is something, right? How did he put it in, in the scripture? Enter into the joy of your master. First, that I could bring God joy is, is mind-blowing. But second, that he would invite me into that joy as well? Oh, oh my goodness, right? Oh, I... I uh, that, that is a true north to me. Um, that can guide my life. Mm, I'm going to loosen my white knuckle grip. Yeah. Do not hear. There's all kinds of truths in the New Testament about the attitude with which you do this. This is not condemnation. This is not demand. This is invitation into the joy of your master, right? Into the joy of your master. And so I want to I invite you to think deeply about these scriptures, to go deep in God's word and to say, God, what is my true north right now? What is guiding my life? And then, God, how can I break the bondage of stuff? 
of mammon, of money over me.